A few hours ago, we published Living Financially Vulnerable, this episode unpacking a really candid discussion about how to determine how financially vulnerable we are and an article that was released in August of 2017 by Utpal Dolakia, Dr. Utpal Dolakia, that is on Psychology Today, identifying the different psychological and behavioral markers that can tell us how financially vulnerable we are. Now, baby, the beginning of the episode was pretty funny. Me and Toya was chopping it up, talking, filling it in, just setting the mood for the heavy conversation that was at hand. And somehow, someway, when I went to go play the episode today, I recognized that a huge part of our intro is missing. And I just don't understand it. But a huge part of our episode is missing. And so I said, we could either delete the episode altogether or take it down and I'll explain the mixed shift of like whatever the different things that went on that wasn't actually supposed to happen. And so for all of you who are listeners out there, I sincerely thank you for holding on and (laughs) also just sticking with us because they're was a huge mistake doing some editing and the wrong parts got arranged for you know this podcast episode today but overall i want you to know that this episode is going to start directly jumping into the politicking segment overviewing uh the article overviewing um a a little comment by cnn uh, that was released in their article talking about the impact of the pandemic and how that has shifted our understanding of building access how that has shifted our understanding of being able to um have financial security and what that stability means in today's world and so we're hopping directly into the politicking segment i sincerely apologize but i want to thank you all for tapping into broke black bougie which is a podcast that seeks to discuss all things surrounding brokenness blackness and the bougie-ass lifestyle it's relatable right we've all been there having to make it on less than our worth we do it while studying trends spreading back assness and ultimately busting our tails to live our best life and i welcome you to another episode of the broke black bougie podcast and we're gonna jump directly into the politicking segment and i'll talk to y'all later peace the best way that i can think about introducing this politicking segment today is a meme that i came across on social media that one of my um, beloved friends shared. And it said, in med school, I took an elective called stress. Okay, this is by Dr. Fitzgerald. She made a post on Twitter. Foolishly thinking I was going to learn about meditation and yoga. Instead, the professor spent six weeks proving that being poor or a minority literally destroys your health on a molecular level. And I think about that every day. And so the reason why I bought this this up is because when I think about the article that was published by CNN and the current article that we are about to get into, it, it really amazes me how people think this is some shit that's new. You know, Toya, like people think that being financially, you know, uh, unstable is something that is new or just popped up on us or how like 
dealing with scarcity can really impose on our mind and our ability to to think positive about our experience because positivity is not enough to get us out of financial stress positivity is not enough for us to get out of poverty you know it's just there's so many different factors that we have to navigate and so today's conversation i think will speak to a little bit about what makes people financially vulnerable and how to navigate those experiences and what we've learned right within that journey and i say this all to say like it really amazes me how calm society is um given you know an assessment of all of all of these circumstances surrounding financial stress and people are depressed and da da da, da and this that and the third and oh my god if we had reparations you know the black community wouldn't be so harmed and it's like where were y'all a few months ago where were y'all a, a, a few years ago pre-pandemic when people were having these articles and writing and talking about the truth about financial you know instability and being financially vulnerable most of the communities that we're seeing now that are financially vulnerable have always been economically deprived and vulnerable like marginalized groups minoritized communities we've always faced this and so while these articles mean well i think for me it's so frustrating because i'm thinking about how as black bodies we've always had to survive difficult periods and now one of the most difficult periods that we've probably ever seen in our lifetime has been present you know and, and it's and it's still going on trying to survive this fucking uh 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 pizza box that we want to call a pandemic and it's like oh awake 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 now these things are real and now we really believe that this has an effect on our well-being I, it's just, it really amazes me. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally sitting here and thinking about how so many people are fake woke. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're saying that, oh, it's real. It's really happening. This is something that's really deep and it's really affecting a lot of Americans. No, it's only affecting Americans now that you care about. Right. That part. So, like you said, the Black community has been experiencing a huge amount of scarcity for many years mm -hmm. and things have been brought into the forefront about what our community has has dealt with over the years and yet nobody has been truly willing to take a deeper look into what we can do to somehow beat quote-unquote poverty mm -hmm. this pandemic has shed light on a lot of the things that has been lacking in our community but not only that it's affecting not only us but other individuals now so now all of a sudden we must gotta stop this now this <laughs> this, this should not this should not be happening in america this is unacceptable no when it was only affecting a certain group of individuals that was no problem because y'all were still making money Mm, mm. So my thought process about it now is like people want to be fake woke and saying that oh now we need to get this under, under control and now like I said I think I said it before on, on this podcast about how now all of a sudden you guys had the quote unquote means of getting millions and millions of Americans this quote unquote money to help them during a period of time which really is it really wasn't enough mm -hmm. but yet you saw how they were willing willingly shipping out these checks to get to americans and now i'm kind of thinking about it too like yo like y'all can really be paying back our reparations our 40 acres and a mule but yeah y'all haven't y'all haven't done that still that's a that's a relevant conversation but it's really but but it's really relevant but i'm just looking at a lot of the things that i'm like you know 
as you were discussing, it, it, it has really disturbed my spirit because this stuff has been going on for so long now. You look at our communities. I don't care where you are, in our black communities, and the corporate wouldn't want to call it the hood or the ghetto for some people who want, who, who want to be funny. But yeah, it's our neighborhood. You see how when it comes to when, you know, that, I can't think of that young lady you were just, you were just talking about just now. I'm sorry, I got this jewel blink. But discussing about when she took a class about stress and yet how it destroys you on a molecular level, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. You think about our neighborhoods, what we ingest mm-hmm. when it comes to food, because it's it's worth the penny. At that moment, you got $20, you can get a meal from McDonald's. It's not the healthiest meal, but you can get a meal from McDonald's. When it comes to our grocery stores, it's ironic how in our in our neighborhoods, the pricing of some of the products and the produce that we see in our, in, in our grocery stores are extremely high compared to those in our suburban areas. Mm-hmm. Very, very disturbing. And and there's been. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead, but there's been so much data supporting that. And if that's not the case, it's also food deserts. I remember like one of my teachers from high school and she always played the role of a white savior. And I knew that I wouldn't like her because she's a mean welling white, right? Somebody who thinks that they have the tools to help, but she really is more harmful in terms of her like worldview and her politics. But I remember her, you know, making a post about, you know, the food that we eat. A lot of you guys talk about being healthy, but the food that you eat is problematic. And she shared it. And I was just like, not okay. I commented and I just fucking blocked her because it's really disgusting. Like you, you share narratives that are filled with white supremacy talking points and you don't even recognize that most people who are in this community, you're talking about Jordans and shit and the quality that people shoot, the, the quality that, that people have on their shoes and how that should determine how much they're being fed. Like we walk around with these, like we walk around with the mindset that poor people don't deserve to have quality shit and that, oh, we're it's our fault that motherfuckers is out here eating Hot Pockets and shit and this, that, and the third. We had Nikes on our feet. We, we probably never had a pair of J's and never had a pair of Tim's, but we had Nikes on our feet. And we also faced food scarcity. And we also recognized that, like, growing up as kids, we um we would go into to a uh we would go into a food store and not have be able to afford quality produce you know produce would rot a lot sooner from the stores that we would get so we had to you know get things that probably had um much more uh what do they call that god instead of having fresh food like 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 i would say like a longer expiration date yeah or something that was like you know, maybe having a few days before it was going to expire so that that we, we would go after first. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was common for us to get like a box of hamburgers or a box of something to last long because we always had to be in a in, 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 a, in a road of stretching. Right. And we talked about this earlier, how like our dynamic would be we get paid and then the next week we were broke or in the next few days we were broke and we just had to stretch for so long. Or we were buying groceries in increments because we couldn't afford an or an, an entire grocery bill. Right. You know, that's the reality for so many people. And it's like y'all only wake up when it's affecting white people, too. Y'all, like, this shit been going on in our community, being financially vulnerable, struggling for a very long time, and we have not had these support systems, and what we face has been, has been more so institutional than anything. 
you know so it's just like now that the whole world craig the whole motherfucking world craig is is struggling now it's oh we can't have we can't have these these kind of people struggling we need to help them but we never keep that same energy for those who have been struggling to the same capacity even before the pandemic like whoo child it's been it's been it's been truly ignored yes it's been truly ignored and 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 it's it's, it's it becomes frustrating because it's like yo do you really give a fuck about people that that's that's existing no we're not living we're existing at this moment right so my thought process about it is like you know people want to get offended about why you always want to create it as black and white because it is black and white it always has been if you're not willing to see that it's black and white then you don't need to be in the, in the discussion because you're not willing, you're not willing to unravel the things that us as a community have been dealing with for centuries. Okay. Centuries. We also have to stack like being black in the plights that we've faced, you know, because even some of our um, other communities who are, non-black communities of color um they've also led with the same white supremacy talking points about what's going on in the community and why every time we talk about being black and access we're always at the bottom of the totem pole it's just like it's the same shit over and over again and we're not necessarily looking how systemically institutionally these things have been set up so Without further ado, Lord, we're going to get into um, a conversation about being financially vulnerable. I'm going to read through this article. Um, This article was published in August of 2017, How Financially Vulnerable Are You? Once again, it was published by Utpal Dolakia. I'm butchering the name, please forgive me. Dr. Utpal Dolakia and... We're going to unpack financial vulnerability for this lens and let me know what you think. I was at an academic conference recently where as a part of a group, I spent a great deal of time thinking about financial vulnerability of American consumers. Public policymakers in particular are concerned that far too many Americans are financially vulnerable. And when we hear statistics like 59% of Americans do not have enough savings to cover a $500 or $1,000 unexpected expense, they are alarming. What exactly is financial vulnerability? It turns out that there is no widely accepted definition of financially of, of financial vulnerability. I spent the last couple of days looking at the psychological research on this issue. And here are my thoughts about how to determine how financially vulnerable you are. Going strictly by the dictionary definition, vulnerable means capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. For our purposes, it is reasonable to define financially financially vulnerability as the degree to which a person is capable of being injured um, financially when an adverse events when an adverse event happens. Although many psychologists think of households as being vulnerable, the truth is that financial vulnerability is a property of each person, not a family or household. Within a single household, a child will be more financially vulnerable than its parents. And the primary income earner will usually be less vulnerable than a spouse who earns little to no money. Many researchers, and especially the popular press, tend to cast financial vulnerability in in either or terms. 
a person is either financially vulnerable or they are not. It seems to me, however, that this is more, it makes more sense to think of financial vulnerability as as an anagolis. Oh, Lord. Let's just do this because I don't struggle with this word. And at first I got it together. And then, Lord, what ended up happening? Analogous. Analogous, I believe. Come on, computer. Analogous. Yes, analog- analogous. <laughs> all right now. That's right. All right. <laughs> um, sometimes you know, I'll be looking on and off at the word, and I'll be like, Lord, this should, this should got me stripped up, but I got it. As analog- analogous to a credit score. We can imagine each one of us has a financial vulnerability score. Someone with a score of 90 is extremely vulnerable, whereas someone who scores 15 is relatively resilient to financial tsunamis. A person's financial vulnerability is a dynamic or changing state. Just as our credit score increases or decreases based on how we handle money, take on new debt, make a late payment, and so on and so forth, the consumer's financial vulnerability increases or decreases as its markers change. This brings up the next question. What are the markers that add up to make a person's financial vulnerability score? Based on the published research, there are two distinct types of markers, psychological and behavioral, that indicate how vulnerable a person is. As you read through the next section, ask yourself to what extent each of these markers apply to you that will determine how financially vulnerable you are. First things first, psychological markers of financial vulnerability, anxiety. When people fall upon hard times, their anxiety and stress levels increase. Financial vulnerable people have greater levels of anxiety and more consistent anxiety about their financial situation. Fear, frustration, and hopelessness. What is more to those who are vulnerable? Um, what is more those who are vulnerable? Vulnerable, Lord Jesus, <laughs> don't just experience anxiety, but they also encounter other negative emotions such as fear, frustration, hopelessness when their financial state looms large. Such emotions, in turn, has negative effects on health. Uncertainty about one's future. Typically, financially vulnerable people tend to be unsure about what will happen in the future. Many of them live paycheck to paycheck, spend more than they bring in, and have little to no savings. This can cause tremendous uncertainty about what will happen in some emergency or adverse if some emergency or adverse events occurs. Uncertainty can lead to risky behavior in other life domains like taking drugs, practicing unsafe sex, and so on and so forth. Lack of financial knowledge. Lack of financial knowledge takes two forms. Knowledge about one's own financial situation and knowledge about how personal finances work, also known as financial literacy. In some of my recent research, we found that not knowing one's current financial condition, irrespective of how financial condition actually is, is associated with negative financial behaviors. Financial vulnerability people also tend to have lower levels of financial literacy, perhaps because they feel hopeless, they tune out from the personal finance domain, hurting themselves even more. Behavioral markers of financial vulnerability. Where psychological markers refer to a vulnerable person's psychological state, Behavioral markers measure the actual behaviors and condition of an individual to determine how financial how financially vulnerable they are. Low or inconsistent income. 
people of any level of income can be financially vulnerable. However, having consistently low income below the poverty line, Lord knows they need to move the marker for the poverty line, or less than $24,600 for a family of four this year, or having a higher payer level of income that fluctuates widely from one month to the next is a marker of vulnerability. High level of debt. Even people having high debt and stable income can become vulnerable if they carry a high debt burden, especially in comparison to their income. Carrying high levels of student loans, outstanding credit card balances, car loans, etc. can increase a person's susceptibility to being harmed if the structure, if disaster strikes. Excuse me. Irregular income. Related to small or inconsistent incomes is the nature of an individual's employment. If the person's income varies frequently or even if their job is stable, but their number of hours work from work oh I can't talk today but their number of hours work differ from one week to the next chances are that it introduces instability into a person's financial life and that makes them vulnerable no margin of safety as many surveys and popular financial advisors point out I'm not naming who he actually named as a financial advisor because the man is fucking racist a emergency fund of three to six months of income provides a cushion against financial surprises and reduces stress and anxiety. Those who do not have an emergency fund and whose spending level is very close or exceeds income are more financially vulnerable. And lastly, social support. When Even when everything is going bad financially, people who have family or close friends will provide them financial support um, to be financially resilient, right? Their social circle will help them bounce back. In my research, I have found that people feel cushioned or protected and tend to make financial decisions with greater confidence. At its heart, a high degree of financial vulnerability is a sign that the person's financial situation is unstable and there is no margin of safety in their life. I do not think there are any, 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 damn, any easy answers about how to reduce financial vulnerability. However, knowing its markers and learning that at least some of them um, and understanding our own financial condition and avoiding taking on more debt are within a person's control um, can be the first step towards reducing financial vulnerability. Whoo, child, I had to get through that. That was long-winded. But I want to ask you, Toya, what are your thoughts in reading this very long-winded article that I've butchered so many times? It's okay. It's a long night. Uh, <laughs> uh, I truly think that I would say, I, I, I would confidently say that a lot of us in the black community can really mark off a lot of that list pertaining to us, each individual in different circumstances, situations mm-hmm. um, that affects us. Um, I wish they would truly break it down. Uh, um, uh, for each ethnic group, about how much that affects each and every, each and every, um, um, oh God, I can't even talk tonight either. Um, how that would affect each and every group. Mm. Um, they're just giving you a broad range of the percentage, but yet break that down a little bit more in depth and tell us, okay, so when it comes to African Americans, when it comes to 
uh, Caucasians, when it comes to his uh, Hispanics, when it comes to any other ethnic group, how does that affect those individuals? But I can honestly say that a lot of us are dealing with a lot of those markers right now as we speak. And let me just say this, when you don't have a sense of security, quote unquote, savings, it does become stressful. It does create high anxiety. For instance, not too long ago, my car was hit, parked. Someone hit my vehicle as it was parked overnight. So now I have to go and get an estimation of how much it is going to be to fix my car door as well as my side window. Now the anxiety has set in because I'm thinking about a lot of, okay, so how much it's going to cost me? Okay, I do have a, I do have insurance, and yet I do have to pay a deductible, and yet the insurance company will meet my deductible. But yet, something like this out of the blue that has happened, I don't have a sense of um, security, or excuse me, having enough to come out to end up paying for something like that if it's over a certain amount. And yes, those things are worrisome, the anxiety, the fear, the worry of whether or not if they can end up fixing it, if it's more than what the car is worth, you start to think about a lot of things that starts to drain your spirit. And yet you try to drown it out with, yes, eating irregularly, your sleeping habits are off. I'm just telling you just a scenario in, in which I am going through right now. That's unexpected. Mm. And I'm not saying that I have not saved, but I'm just worrying if it's more than what I have to even give to this auto shop to take care of uh an accident that was not my fault my car was parked on the street people and somebody ended up hitting my vehicle left no information no nothing just the damage that was left to my vehicle right so now i gotta end up for in the build about what about the damage that's happened to my to my car so things like that creates the the worrisome and the pity of stomach that that it's it's um it's unsettling it's unsettling and i'm pretty sure for a lot of us there's other instances where we have dealt with way more than just a damage to a vehicle but yeah with there's like a home expense hell something that has come apart in your house and you don't have the money to end up paying for it because you know you're you're a low income homeowner you know stuff like that occurs and yet you're living paycheck to paycheck now you got a, a, a added expense that you don't know where you're going to pull this money from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot, I can honestly say a lot of those markers that they mentioned, a lot of us deal with that at this present moment. And being poor, being somebody who doesn't have financial stability, being financially vulnerable is fucking expensive because the moment where those issues arise, it's kind of like you're forced to, you're you're literally forced to spend more than you have, which puts you into a deeper and deeper hole. And I think what frustrates me the most, you know, in reading this article, I'm like, damn it, the demographic data matters so much because if we really tap into yes. like uh, psychological markers of financial vulnerability and behavioral markers of, of financial vulnerability. We also have to look at policies that have that have affected our 
um, uh, financial stability. We also have to look at um, intentional barriers that have affected and impacted our um, um, financial uh, stability. We have to look at uh, the way the society is set up, right, in terms of access building and how the poor is often exploited. Um, that makes us very financially vulnerable. I have literally experienced everything on this list from psychological markers to behavioral markers. And even just recently, right, having an experience where I quit not one, but two job positions, and I thought I was as secure as I needed to be. And when one emergency came, it put, put me into a hole. And then when another emergency hit, it was just like I could not stay afloat. And here I am leaning on other people who also face financial vulnerability to help me. And speaking of which, I don't, I don't want to cut you off. You know, when you mentioned about those two emergencies that you dealt with during those two um shifts within your um, career. I think about how they mentioned the type of community that surrounds you that's able to help. Mm -hmm. Like you said, if they, like you said, you were asking for help for somebody that literally was dealing with the same exact situation mm -hmm. on a different scale that you were dealing with. Yeah. And I'm and like when you were discussing that, you know, when, too, when you were reading that, I'm like, well, hell, what if your circle don't have what you need <laughs> at that moment? So I'm like, so basically, y'all all ass out because y'all don't have. I mean, I mean, y'all can be there as you know, emotional support, but yeah, you can't be there as a quote unquote financial support because you don't have the means too. <laughs> and it's not funny, but I'm just saying. <laughs> But it's just, you know, you last keep from crying. That's mm -hmm. how that's how I view it. You last keep from crying because I'm like a lot of us in our neighborhoods. Yeah, we may have some people that's around us, but yeah, they deal with the same exact situation that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so you telling them like, girl, I just need two hundred dollars. Do you, like, may I borrow two hundred dollars? Girl, you ass out because she don't got it. <laughs> right, she don't got ten dollars to give you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fact, and I think it it definitely thinks me about definitely makes me think about movement work, right? Where we always say we help us, we keep us safe. Like it's very true, we do keep us safe, but we're often the poor helping the poor, the financially vulnerable helping the financially vulnerable, and the cycle it continues. It's the same hundred dollars that's being recycled throughout the community. You know, uh, uh, I don't got it today. John, John, gonna have it tomorrow. And uh, Sarah needed needed next week. <laughs> like aside from the social support, right? That's listed in behavioral markers. Um, what else really stuck out with you? You know, in regards to this article. You know, as I'm sitting here, and my spirit is getting heavy. It is so disheartening that we are discussing the same old story, mm -hmm. but just presented to you in a in, uh, in a different uh, um, light by different authors. Yep. And um, I'm I'm just so I'm just. I'm just I'm 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 truly disgusted because I feel like when it comes to the black community, we are always, 
always, nine times out of ten, left in the dark. Yeah. Until something, quote unquote, big happens that has caused not only a light on our community, but yet others. And yet, once the others are involved, now we must do something about it. So just hearing this article, and I'm pretty sure this article has been uh, written more than once by a different individual, just do something differently Mm -hmm. with the same type of situation. The percentages may have possibly gone up or down, whatever the case may be. But yet, like, like I said earlier, like you said, you know, get us to the demographics of who this is affecting more than anything. You don't want to do that because you know that it sheds a light on one population more than the other. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I guess I'm at a loss. You know, because I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, real, I'm not like my soul is just really aching for my people. Yeah. And I just see the things that we had dealt with in our community, time and time again. The same fucking song being played over and over again, and we're all tired of it. But yet, motherfuckers still don't want to hear it. Right. Ooh, ooh, child. It, it's such a a huge disconnect for sure and you know institutions that quote unquote want to help those that are in these poverty stricken communities they're really not doing much good anyway because there's certain quote unquote criteria you must meet in order for them to help you but if you truly don't have it and you ask out now what what, now what should now what should i do it's like when pac said that everybody know charity doesn't go to the ghetto. It doesn't. Like y'all might do coat drives, y'all might do glove drives, y'all might do, you know, shoe drives, you may do whatever, but you don't think that one effective way to, to immediately meet the needs of those who are struggling is direct payments. Like it's such a foreign concept to people because most individuals don't understand that having access to money is really important. It's critical. Sometimes people don't need me. Like if I'm telling you I'm struggling, I'm struggling. And yeah, there are people who try to game the system, but so fucking what white folks been gaming the system for fucking years. White folks been gaming us for fucking years. At this point, we need to be able to identify if something's wrong, how people need support and, and give people the money that they need. It's just like there, there. I don't, I don't really see any, any, any other way around it. Like, people need support and people need money. When it came down to a greater population of motherfuckers struggling, white folks, it was automatically let's do stimulus checks. Stimulus checks didn't just exist because motherfuckers wanted to move the economy. It also existed because who was impacted you know, by this economy. And y'all didn't look just at it as a black problem. Let's be real. It wasn't looked to as a black, solely a black problem. When things become solely a black issue, it's like, "Mm, I don't think we should favor. I don't think we should single out things. But when it's, when it be be on some all inclusive shit, y'all want to, y'all want to make movements and move policies. And that's not effective because it's really not helping those who have been facing you know this journey for a very long period of time not a short period of time but a long period of time um but yeah it's just i feel i i really share the same sentiments i really do 
And even with this, you know, irregular employment, it's like, yeah, but another issue of behavioral markers is you might be somebody who has stable employment and this is your first time gaining access to a type of salary, you know, of this dynamic and not be able to sustain that and not be able to sustain that for the simple fact of you you have so many other responsibilities that's affecting your ability to be financially stable. True. You know, I also thought, I, I, I really thought that, like you said, when it, when it affects the quote-unquote masses, not just black, not just the black community, but others, um, that's when you want to jump, jump the gun and, and say, now we must help. You know, I even think about justification. Mm-hmm. You got, got individuals moving into the into our neighborhoods now all of a sudden you want to create a sense of well-being for those people and yet creating healthier options when it was just us in our community you didn't give a fuck about us right because this world doesn't value black lives bingo so i'm just kind of i'm just like you said i'm just (laughs) this it's just i'm just so disgusted i really am i really am and yet, you know, rather than as politicians being just willing to just to just uh, say, oh, we don't want to single out a community, but yet this community has been singled out for how long now? Right. And this same issue has been presented to you on more than one occasion. Just the person sitting in the Senate seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether they're an assembly so, member, whether they're they're right. a member of Congress, whether they're a senator, whether they're you know a local politician, you know sitting on local city councils, like it's it's the same oh song. It ain't shit changing, and my pockets are dumb. Oh, it's the same oh song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what you were saying. <laughs> I'm just like, it, it, it just makes you think, like, I mean, these people, these, the people who are in these positions, that's in, that's in, you know, these, these seats, do you really care for the greater good of, of people, as a, a, you know, greater good for, for people, and I mean all people, no. even if it is singled out, because you know that one, one demographic is suffering more than the other. Call the spade a spade. I'm willing to sit here with your fucking heads behind y'all back and act like y'all don't see shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw him put the card behind his back, but I don't know if the card is there. Nigga, didn't you see him put his hand behind his back? <laughs> right. You know he got a his little something. Right he got a little something, something. <laughs> like, I just, I, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, just, I just hate that we keep going down this this never-ending storm of situations that we deal with, mm-hmm. whether it be behavior, whether it be, you know, you know, um, um, uh, excuse me, uh, not only behavior, but just other, other circumstances that us as community gotta, gotta, gotta literally stick it out and yet pull ourselves up. The damn bar is 50 feet in the air, but yeah, we gotta somehow reach it. Compared to our counterparts that only got five feet, and yet they all passing it. 
And this is the same shit that people reiterate, right? The bootstrap theory. We don't got no boots, no shoestrings. All we got is our feet. Them shits got gashes in it, you know, um, and motherfuckers is limping. So it's just, it's, the financial vulnerability is something that's so deep within our community because it didn't start with us. And today, it still isn't starting with us. Sure, there are different markers that affect our, our overall well-being, but the issues that we are are dealing with are so it's so much deeper than just um, fucking Starbucks drinks and Dunkin' Donuts drinks and a pair of J's. You know, like when I think about when I think about a first workshop that I did for Broke Black Bougie, I remember telling the students, like, y'all be buying shit every day and that shit be adding up. But then I thought about it and I'm like, girl, your politics is off with this because the money that they're buying isn't going to automatically transport into the things that they're buying isn't already going to transport into millions if they were to save that money. Like They should be able to do for themselves. But the tools that they really need is to how to be able to create stability for themselves and rewrite certain things that have traumatically shaped their finances. And that is more, more like shit, like child identity theft. That is more like, um, uh, having, you know, to, to deal with, deal with leaning on credit and, and having credit work against them. That is like, not having enough money and income coming in that forces you into places where you are in a deeper financially vulnerable space, like payday apps, like leaning on payday applications and not being able to sustain and build wealth for yourself. That's the shit we really need to be talking about, not the other foolery. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I, I truly give credit to those, to, to those individuals who are, who are, teaching our community about financial literacy. You know, looking at everything that has happened thus far with this pandemic, and yet how billionaires still was getting money. They, 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 they were still winning. But I, you know, I just, just talking about a lot. Yeah, I think that it has to go beyond financial literacy. You know, it really does. Like, being informed is only one part of it. Applying it is another part of it. Applying it without white supremacy politics is another part of it. Um, applying it without having talking points that are oppressive and anti-black as fuck is another part of it. Direct cash payments is another part of it, right? Decolonizing the way we thinking about poverty is another part of it. Recognizing how people in poverty also exploit other people in poverty is another part of it. It's a whole entire fucking cycle. And, you know, um, I think the, the, the thing that really gets me is sometimes we see people within the financial wellness space and they don't have the range to talk about shit or they have individuals um, who are who are extremely problematic, you know, coming on telling people about how to get access to X, Y, and Z. And that's not like, it's not a simplistic one, one size fits all approach to being able to be financially stable um and so that's just some of the things that i've 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 really really thought about um 
But for me, I feel like what's most important is that if we're talking about policies, if we're talking about um, helping people become financially unvulnerable, we have to start very early. And we also have to give people this access and we have to stop playing like this shit ain't life or death because having those resources and not dealing with financial stress and not being financially vulnerable allows us to live and have fluidity. And that really matters in terms of our overall wellness journey. If it was only a plan, just like a true blueprint of how to make sure that each individual that has been dealing with situations in their life, how to maneuver, it will be perfect. But yet at this moment, we're, we're still in shambles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I just, and, I, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just kind of, right now my mind is just kind of all over the place, but I just really want us to win. I, I truly want us to win as a community. Because we've been knocked down for so long. No, we we have. We have. And I believe it is doable. But we have money that is owed to us. And without a doubt, without a doubt, that has also contributed to the conditions that we face. Um, But overall, I think this was a really, really great episode tapping into, um, you know, wrapping up and tapping into us unpacking how financial how financially vulnerable we are um i think it makes a lot of sense and i'm i'm grateful um to be tuned into to these things and conversations because they are very much so needed and financial vulnerability didn't start with the pandemic and it won't end with the pandemic right but it's very important that um, we continue to have these conversations so that we can figure out our markers and the type of support we need to maneuver through them